This is Motley Fool Answers. I'm Allison Southwick, and I'm joined by Robert Brokamp and Diana Yoakum. Today, we're going to talk about the sorry plight of extremely rich women living on the Upper East Side. Diana has good news about your credit score, and then we'll offer up three tips for divorce-proofing your marriage when it comes to money. All this and more on this week's episode of Motley Fool Answers. Let's start off by talking about the craziest thing we read this week. And that's pitying the poor, wealthy women living on the Upper East Side of New York. So. The, the glam sums. It's like I don't know how you say. It. I don't see. I don't know how you say that. Glam stay-at-home moms. Yeah, glamorous, that. glamorous stay-at-home moms. These women devote their days to raising their children, hyper raising their children, and taking care of themselves and spinning classes and the like, and toil for their wifely financial bonuses. Actual bonuses. Actual, Actual bonuses. financial bonuses. Yeah. So we should get, yeah, we should get, are we giving a little background on this article? What more, ba- what more background do you want to give? That, that this is an article that appeared in the New York Times. Oh, yes. Okay, so it was an article that appeared <laughs> in the New York Times. And um, it was written by a woman who actually went and ha- hung out with a bunch of these women on the Upper East Side. Yeah, she, but, she Well, lived there. among them yeah. for years. Yeah. Which yeah. makes it sound like she's living among gorillas and studying them <laughs> well she's, is an really, she's an anthropologist so. yeah, yeah. that's how she treated it and that, that yeah and that's exactly how she approached it she sort of just gathered the data about them and then found out about how this tribe actually acts and interacts with each <laughs> other tribe that's a, no that's a, i think that's an accurate way of putting yeah. it a lot of these women their husbands are hedge fund managers mm-hmm. and they get paid big bonuses for performing and so this woman in her new york times article said that a lot of these women who live on the Upper East Side actually get financial bonuses when they outperform when it comes to managing their house and raising their kids. They're called the wife bonuses. The wife bonuses, the wife. people. <laughs> so on the one hand, it's, it's, when you first hear that, you think, oh my gosh, this is horrible, right? right. This is horrible. Right. But then on the other hand, you think, well, they are actually doing something that costs money that they are not getting paid for. I, I don't know. I'm kind of playing devil's advocate, right? Yeah, not very convincing. <laughs> my, my first thought when I read it was that it was kind of a like a joke, right? I mean, they call it that, but it's kind of a joke. It's just like every other household. You know, at the end of the house, at the end of the year, we have this much in our bonus. Here, you can spend this much on whatever furniture or whatever stuff you want. The I article it, makes it sound like it's actually written up in a prenup. Yeah, but says in a, in a right. prenup or postnup and distributed. Yeah, on the basis of. All of those things. How did you manage the household finances? Did your kid get into the preferred elite school? It's not a joke, Robert. Uh, well, that's what <laughs> I first thought it was a joke, but then when I read about it oh, in the legal sorry. documents and everything, then it was a little, now, was there, a little disturbing. There was pushback, however. As soon as the article came out, there were other articles that said that basically called BS on this and said, "I don't think these prenups actually or these um, wife bonuses actually do exist." It's very hush hush. And remember, she was an insider. She lived among the tribe, became one of the. <laughs> she picked became, the fleas off of yes, their hide. <laughs> she became one of them. And uh, she's not talking down about these women either. She talks about how well educated they are, using skills they honed in graduate school and in their professions by organizing galas, editing newsletters, running library bake sales. So you're cool with the bonus, with the wifely bonus? I'm not so cool with the bonus. I think that's a little crass to award a bonus at the end of the year, depending on how Robert, what do you someone think? did in a personal relationship. Yes. I mean, 
I don't think it's a bad idea that, as we will talk about later, that depending on how well the family does financially over the course of a year, each person gets a certain amount that they could spend whatever they want on. If it's based on a certain performance of running the household, I don't know. That's a little, <laughs> that's a little different. Um, there was something about running the household budget. So if you think about saying, like, as we as a couple decide that we're going to spend this much on food this year, for example, and somehow we spend less than that, there might be an incentive there, right? If, if we spend less, then you can have part of it and I can have part of it, or we can go on a family vacation or something like that. So I would just like to see more of the details and how that is arranged before I um, provide a final verdict on how this works. I'll just say that. So we want you to, if you have this, send us a copy of your prenup or postup. That's right. The contract. <laughs> highlight highlight the part that talks about your yeah. bonus. Yeah. So we can, so we can break it down you. here and then, yeah, judge you. Diana, you're here with this week's super practical, everybody try this money tip. All that's hyphenated, right? Yes. <laughs> yes, I am. So this is all about your credit score. Now, thanks to the Fair and Accurate Credit Transaction Act, as we all know is FACT Act, that was p- passed in 2003, once every 12 months, consumers are entitled to free access to their credit reports from the three major reporting bureaus, and that's Equifax, TransUnion, and Experian. And to get your free report, you just go to annualcreditreport.com. But it's a totally different story when it comes to your credit score. And just a reminder, your credit score is the three-digit number based on all of the information in your credit reports. Think of your credit score as your money GPA. Unfortunately, Uncle Sam does not pick up the tab for your credit score, at least not yet. There's legislation uh, pending that would give consumers access to free credit scores, but it's just not there yet. So until recently, you had to pay one of the credit reporting bureaus to actually buy your score, and that usually costs around 7 or $8. Or you could get it for free. You had to jump through some hoops by signing up for a credit monitoring service and then remembering to cancel that service before the automatic billing kicked in. But lately, corporate America is really stepping forward and giving consumers free credit scores. Some credit card issuers are doing this, including a free score with your statement, but also other companies. One of them is Credit Karma, credit K-A-R-M-A.com, and it gives away two free credit scores, which is why I like it. And those are derived from your Equifax and TransUnion credit files. You don't have to enter a credit card number, so that's great. Uh, But they're going to encourage you to, and they're also going to encourage you to take free trials of their credit monitoring and credit helping services. And also these sites sites make their money with third-party advertisers, so you'll see a lot of recommendations for good credit cards for you based on your score. You don't have to take any of that. Just go there, get your free credit scores. Those are updated once a month, and it's a great piece of information for you to have. Yay! Even though the divorce rate is falling in America, every year about 2 million people call it quits. According to a Kansas State University study, arguments about money were by far the top predictor of divorce. So we're here to help with a few tips to divorce-proof your finances. Or as my friend Brad likes to say, just don't get married. (laughs) The number one way to prevent divorce is to not get married. All right, this has been Motley Fool Answers. I'm Allison <laughs> Sapphic. As always, I'm joined by... Uh, yeah, well, it's a divorce. It could happen to you, and it could be not only emotionally 
traumatizing, like being hit by a train, but it's also like your wallet gets run over as well. Right. The, the average divorce costs something like $15,000 these days. Um, and there's some underappreciated cost of it as a divorce. If you're, you're in one house right now, you have a certain number of expenses, and then if you have two people going to two separate houses, it actually costs more. Um, you're probably used to your spouse doing things, either managing the money or running the household, something that now you're going to have to do on your own or pay somebody to do. Uh, so there's actually quite a significant financial cost. That laundry divorced. isn't going to do itself. That's right. That doesn't mean you should stay married just for the money. But if you're kind of on the fence there, <laughs> you might want to just think about the financial consequences, give it a little more time, see what happens. Just suck it up, just basically, suck because it up. it's $15,000. I mean, that you can weigh it right there. Is it worth $15,000? $15,000. Right, if you That's are- a good wife bonus, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's not a bad one. So if you're the kind of person who doesn't want to get divorced, <laughs> here are our three easy steps. Well, easy, I don't know. Marriage is never easy. But here are three steps that we recommend you take to help divorce-proof your finances. Robert, what is the first step? Well, the first step is to decide what you agree on and where the issues are. And then for the financial goals, goals that you agree on, fund those. So most people agree on retirement. Most people agree on um, maybe college for the kids, things like that, and say, okay, this is where we can meet together and agree on these goals and fund them and fund them automatically. So make sure the money goes directly to those places. I mean, it might be even a vacation home. It might be what other financial goals you have. Maybe someone wants to take a year off as a sabbatical. Once you agree on those, you get those off the table, fund them automatically, then you see how much money you have left, and then you can decide, all right, who, what are we going to do with this money? How much money are you going to have? How much money am I going to have? And then you can sort of ferret out a little bit more where the disagreements are. Right. And, and with the goals here, hopefully you're on the same page with the major ones, but maybe there's something that you're really excited about that your spouse isn't exactly excited about. Uh, Make sure put those on the list too. I, just to have these long-term, larger goals there that make you excited are going to make you less resentful of where else your money is going. And plus, you've got another person on your team here to kind of cheer you along as you're getting closer to that financial goal, and maybe even kicking in some to help out. So, yeah, yeah. you can even bring this down to smaller levels, even something like groceries. I mean, I know it's ridiculous, but Groceries actually cause a lot of issues within families because it's not only how much are we going to spend on certain food items, what's healthy for our family and what's not. Healthier usually means more expensive. Is that worth it or not? And even to that point, you can get to point where this is what we agree on in terms of food, the base amount that we should be spending. And then you say, okay, this is what we disagree on. Maybe we should just say, okay, we agree on whether we should spend money on this, but let's say at least once a month, once a week, something like that, so that one person who wants it gets it, but the person who doesn't want it feels like it's not out of control. There's a a limit to it. Are you talking about like organic produce or something? It could be organic produce. Ice cream for dinner. Like once a week, I want to have ice cream for dinner. Right. Just once? I want to have it every night, but as a spouse that wants to cooperate with my husband, I will settle for once a week. I see with parents all the time the disagreements over what the kids should be allowed to eat. Should you even go to McDonald's? Should you have Sprite? Um, I know um, some folks who the the mother was 
very against soda, but would give the kids orange juice. And then the husband would say, if you look at the sugar content, they're just about the same thing with a vitamin C pill thrown in there. So, <laughs> you know, it's those types of things that um, when you're looking at groceries, at least, where you, there's some disagreement. Again, separate what you agree on from what you disagree on and then tackle the one part. I, th- I think a good therapy session with your grocer at that point is probably more in line. <laughs> well, yet again, we are learning that when we talk about money, we're actually talking about what we value. And <laughs> yep. what we value is probably not always on the same page. All right. So once we have decided what our agreed upon goals are, funded them, automated them, we've got m- the pile of money that's left behind. What do we do now? Well, here's where talking about, again, values, having to get on the same page, uh, that can be a hard thing. So you want to set rules for daily play money or for your own money that you can spend on whatever it is you want. You could call it an allowance. Uh, a wife bonus. <laughs> <laughs> it is agreed. This is not too far away from a wife bonus. It's a spouse bonus. It's a spouse bonus. Each, each person it's gets It's not a bonus. Money. It's part of your everyday spending. It's part of your everyday budget. But here, the idea is, again, give, have autonomy in the relationship. You don't want to be second-guessed with every purchase that you make or every dollar that you're spending, and nor do you want to have to worry about the other person spending dollars that should be allocated elsewhere on something that you're, you don't value or that you think is a waste of money. So having the big goals funded automatically and then starting deciding, hey, $100 a week for each of us. You spend that, no questions asked. You can do anything you want with it. You could save it up if you are if you want a new gaming system or whatever it is. Husband. Right. I know. Husband. I, know. Husband. I was thinking of if you want a new man thing. <laughs> a new man thing. And then for a lady thing, of course, you're going to want to shoes I don't not, know whatever yeah. that's the cliche yeah so I uh, found a little article um, I think CNN Money did a poll and they pulled both baby boomers and millennials and they asked them how much should your significant other be allowed to spend like what dollar amount should they be allowed to spend before they have to run it by you and just like make sure you're cool with it do you want to guess what dollar amount they said because they both actually averaged out to the same amount hundred dollars I'm gonna say 199 154. All right. Wow. Yeah. So $154. Um, it turns out also another funny thing is that one in five Americans have spent $500 or more on it something without getting their partner's knowledge, even mm-hmm. without even telling How'd them. How'd that work out? Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. More men have done that than women, too. Women get the bad rap for like leaving shopping bags in the trunk and waiting for their husband to look the other way. But 26% of men have spent more than 500 without notifying their wife versus 14% of women. I lo- I'm looking over Robert's shoulder now at Rick in the control room, our producer, and he's rolling his eyes like, um, yeah, that might have happened in our household. You bought an amp or something, didn't you? Camera. So what are some other kind of rules daily for daily spending rules? Are there, are there any other daily spending rules that couples should talk about? Well, I'll tell you what my wife and I do, and that we have an app, and that we each have a certain amount of money that we can spend each month. And for me, it's $300. She has more um, because she's in charge of more of the household expenses. Go pull up that app. You write down every expenditure. And once it's done for that month, you can't spend any more. And any that you don't spend in that month, 
rolls forward to the following month. So you can do that whole savings thing, like if you want to save up for um, a bigger purchase. The fuzzy part comes to when you're when you're buying something, is this totally discretionary and up to me, or is this really uh, a family expense? So mm-hmm. when I took my daughter to the daddy-daughter dance at school, we um, had to pay to get in the dance and had to pay for parking. So that's sort of entertainment, sort of discretionary. We didn't have to go, but it's also kind of an important family thing. So, do you know what that came out of the love of your in your heart? That's where that expense that's, came that's from. That's right. But you do have those decisions. And, Can't and I believe think you're a, putting a dollar figure on that. That's just crass. I think it's important to track the expenses. That's <laughs> all I'm saying. And I, and fairness is important too. So that was one of those things where I'm like, okay, do I put this down or not? I don't want to. I don't want to be caught cheating by my wife, if you know what I mean. Um, <laughs> but the thing I like about this is. Fairness is an important part of a relationship. And if someone is spending loads of money on iTunes and Spotify and Pandora... A, a, is this a friend of yours <laughs> no, that you were talking about? That was one of my weaknesses early, earlier in the, uh, in the early days of internet music. Um, the other person has, either is going to get resentful or has to feel like, okay, that's fine as long as I can do my thing. Yeah, and then you get into this competitive spending thing, which is not healthy for anyone. Right. So you... you you could go so far as to set up some r- rules for the spending. Like, here are the types of things that is that we must consult one another about before we purchase. So, it could be things for the house, electronics. You could just say a dollar figure here, anything above $154.53. And then, so that you know... When you you don't have to think about it, it's like, yep, I need I need to talk to my partner about this before I spend this money, and then other things like the stuff that costs below a certain amount, or that you know this is something I'm going to enjoy alone, uh, or I'm going to do this to take my daughter to the father daughter dance the at the daughter dance at it the was school, so fun. and it's going to be a lovely memory for each of your <laughs> life that you'll spend the money on that. So assuming that an app isn't helping and even setting limits on how much you can spend and all these rules isn't helping. You guys are still having trouble coming together, managing your money. Our last piece of advice is to get a professional objective third party. So that could include a range of possibilities. There, of course, are marriage counselors and any experienced marriage counselor is, has the experience of handling money issues. Not that they're financial experts, but they know what what works, what doesn't, and what has led to healthy resolutions. There's also a financial planner. And a lot of these situations in which people are arguing about financial priorities, there is a right answer, like it or not. And it's good to have an expert say, you know, this is actually the right thing to do. And then the couple has to find some way to handle that. You know, if, if someone if they already have $40,000 in credit card debt and one of them wants to go to Europe for a vacation, it's a pretty clear, objective answer that, no, you should probably not take that trip. Um, there actually are now more financial planners who are experienced in what they call financial therapy, or they're certified divorce counselors, so they help people after the divorce, but they also help people sort of who have already gone down that road, and then maybe they can do a few things, if money is the main issue, to get the couple to a point where, like, okay, we're in a better place. We feel better about the money, and the rest of the relationship is is good enough to keep the marriage going. Neutral third party. 
neutral third party. That's, and that doesn't mean like friends or relatives. No. And that happens. People are like, hey, you know, I know, you know, my brother is a financial advisor. Let's ask him. That just that is not that's causing more problems. Call a complete stranger and spill your money and emotional guts right there. Here's Deanna's phone number. <laughs> I was say, phone number. You can email her at answers at fool.com. <laughs> So there you go. If you really do insist on getting married despite Brad's sound advice, don't let money problems lead to divorce. First, agree on long-term goals and automate how you fund them. Then set rules for your day-to-day spending and try tracking your spending with an app. Finally, seek professional help from an impartial counselor or fee-only advisor if things get too heated. I guarantee whatever you pay them will be much less than a divorce attorney. Oh, I wish that we could stop this D-I-V-O-R-C-E. Let's close by talking about some famous and bizarre divorce settlements. <laughs> Doesn't that sound like fun? We put the fun in divorce. Wait, D-I-V-O-R. The fun divorce. Yeah, fun divorce. So the largest divorce settlement to date was in 2014. Elena, oh, I'm going to butcher this last name. It's I'm Russian. sorry. It's Russian. It is Russian. <laughs> well, there you go. I Elena knew Elena Rybolov-Leva. Oh, sorry. <laughs> was awarded $4.8 billion from her husband, a.k.a. the fertilizer king, Dimitri. It's <laughs> awarded Bless in, a, you. in a Swiss court. Thank you. It was a six-year battle after 24 years of marriage. And here's a fun little fact. He refused to settle for $1 billion. And so the court ordered him to pay $4.8 billion. Oh. I believe this is where I am legally obligated to insert wah, wah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. In one of the more bizarre divorce settlements, and we got this off of Mental Floss, a guy in Long Island requested that his cheating wife return the kidney he gave her. <laughs> Technically, a kidney is a gift and not a loan. <laughs> And the woman would have died without it. So, yeah. Yeah. So the court said no, I assume? I think I think they did. Okay. He, he would have All settled right. for like one point yes. five million. Yes, he said, yeah. or compensation of $1.5 million. So before you give your kidney away as a gift, you right. cannot sell it. Just remember, <laughs> there might be someone out there right. illegally willing to pay $1.5 million for it. <laughs> That's what the going rate is for kidneys, I guess. And finally, let's end with Zsa, Zsa Gabor, who is famous uh, for Zsa her Zsa. beauty and guess how many marriages? Oh, eight. Yes, oh. you got it. Oh my gosh, eight marriages. Yeah. Why bother? Like after four or five, you'd be like, you know what? I'm not good at this. Put a ring I'm on it. I'm not going to bother anymore. Darling, <laughs> darling, that's right, <laughs> darling. So her second marriage, she was in her 20s, and she married Conrad Hilton of. Yeah. Hiltons mm-hmm. of the of the uh, hotel chains, and she received when they got divorced. She received a property settlement worth three point six million in today's dollars, and so this is a very cute thing. She said, following the divorce, she said, "I can't say it in a Zsa Zsa Gabor accent." She said, "Conrad Hilton was very generous to me in the divorce settlement. He gave me five thousand Gideon Bibles." <laughs> <laughs> She has a ton of great quotes about... And Hilton coasters for a lifetime. <laughs> yeah. She has a ton of great quotes about divorce and marriage. She's a um, card. Was a card. She was a card. And she just... 
Mary, wow, she landed a lot of rich husbands. Like everyone, one after the next was just rich, rich, rich. So, so you, that's our financial tip for today, folks. <laughs> if you're going to marry. Marry like Zsa Marry like Zsa Often and wealthy. Wealthy. That's going to do it for today, folks. If you want to reach us, we are at answers at fool.com. You can also follow us on Twitter. Coincidentally, for all of us, it's at and then our first name and our last name. So at Allison Southwick, at Robert Brokamp, and at Diana Yoakum. And don't forget to go to iTunes and give us a review and rate us. It helps us climb in the rankings and get more listeners. And we also love getting your feedback. For Robert Brokamp and Diana Yoakum, I'm Allison Southwick. Fool on. Fool on.